Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. We are in the middle of an ongoing series, so we're going to get right to it. You know where to go, you know what to do. Thank you for listening, wherever you are, and whatever you are doing in this hour, it is time to be spiritual men. It is time to be watchmen on the wall. I keep feeling compelled in this season, especially to just speak with the, with the mindset that there might be people listening that do not know God. They do not know Yeshua as their Messiah, as their Rescuer, as their Savior, as their Deliverer. Listen, friend, if that's you, reach out to someone, please. Find us on Facebook, Path to Zion Podcast, easy to find. Our email is Podcast at gmail.com. Reach out to us. Contact someone and ask some questions. It is okay to be shaken if, in fact, it leads us to a place where we actually find our purpose, when we find our reason for existence, that you know what? It is a whole lot more than just getting through this life, and even if you're a believer, it is a whole lot more than just being a good Christian American. And I'm telling you, we are about to find out who is in the narrow way and who is in the wide way. I am convinced that more than in my lifetime for sure, and, and, and possibly in, in very, very many generations, there is a, a shaking and a shifting, and a, which will, I hope, lead to a sifting, which will bring people in, ripe for harvest. We're going to get to the sifting more in a little bit in the text that we're going to read. A little bit of preface, all we did in the first part really is establish a biblical pattern that pestilence comes from the Father. That's why this series is titled, The Purpose Within the Pestilence. There is a reason. Friend, God is not silent. He is not silent. Listen, He is not silent when, then, when these things come to humanity and come to His people. It is not merely him ignoring mankind and just letting evil or darkness or bad things just happen while he just takes a break for a while, okay? I understand the biblical pattern of him turning away and like retracting his provision, his protection. I do believe in that, but we have to be careful we have a proper understanding that in no way is it God, is it God with his arms folded and his mouth closed and just kind of like waiting till something is done to speak to his people. Because again, we're told that he does nothing without first announcing it and declaring it to his prophets, to his seers, to his people. So let's be those people, and let's not just say, oh, well, God's just quiet right now. He's just turned away. Let's make sure that we are still, no matter what our perception of this, this age, this hour, and what's going on, no matter what our opinion is, our, our call is the same. We seek the heart of the Father. We sit before Him. We cry out for mercy. We ask for His will. We ask for His ways. We ask for Him to speak to His people. That is what we are set to do, that is what we want him to do, and that is what we must be towards. I've got to make a text here. Okay, so that was not distracting. All right, we looked at, I just, I inserted the text, 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. Now what we're going to do, I'm, listen, 
I, I will confess from right now, I don't know how this is going to go. Please, if, it's, if it seems like I can't get the motor running, I've said this several times in regards to teachings that I believe have a great substance, like just stick with me. This might take a little bit to get the wheels churning, but I'm, I'm convinced in faith that once they get going, some things are going to click and are going to resonate and make sense. I really believe that, but it might take a little bit, so please don't check out. If you're like me, there's something in our minds that when somebody starts reading Scripture, I don't know whether it's just from my church attendance upbringing or what, oh, check out. Okay, oh, well, he's done reading the Bible? Okay, come back around. Even now, as a forty, even now as a forty-six-year-old adult, I have to keep reminding myself, "Hey, whoa, no way! This is why I'm here. This is why I'm studying. This is why I'm speaking." May this not just be, "Well, let's just read the text so we can get back to commentary." This is very, very important. Okay, we're going to read two different records and explanations of the exact same event. One account, two differing. Records and explanations, just like we see in the Gospels, same, same events, differing accounts of that one event, okay? It's not contradictory, although we're going to get to why it seems at first that it is. It's not, but it does kind of come at a different angle of a little bit explanations, uh, differing explanations of one event. We're going to start at the Second Samuel account. This is where I first started several days back when I started looking into plague and pestilence. Because again, we're looking at the purpose within the pestilence. This hour on the whole earth, there is a pestilence. There is a pestilence. You do realize that. This is no mere modern day, well, it's just a, you know, we just call it something and we dumb it down and we just think it's something, oh, it's just something simple. Bad, bad, bad. We have got to get, I'm telling you, I could repeat this for the next four hours. We have got to shake off this natural thinking and be spiritual men. May 2 Samuel help us do that. 24 verse 15, so the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel. Okay, right there, good place to start. Well, why did he do that? Well, let's go back a few verses and find out why. I wanted to start there to just say... Okay, what he's saying is true if you didn't already know that. The Lord sent a pestilence. At the very beginning of chapter 24, we are told that the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and it incited David against them. Okay, the anger of the Lord incited David. And because of that, David said, go number Israel and Judah. The king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go about now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and register the people that I may know the number of people. i got to paraphrase some things. Joab basically says, again, in summary, Look, are you sure, David? In this, now we're sticking with 2 Samuel. You may already know the other account. We'll get to that. Are you sure that you want to do this? Hey, I'm the king. I said go number the people. Now get out of here. Okay, so be it. May the Lord bless the people. The king's word prevails. Okay, so he goes. They cross the Jordan. uh, They go to Gilead, and I'm just, boy, we're moving down. Okay, so they do the census of the land. The numbers come back in verse number 9 of chapter 24 in 2 Samuel. 
And the second the numbers are told, something interesting begins to happen. Now David's heart troubled him. Okay? It, it's, one version talks about it smote him. It, it offended him. It like, we would use a modern, it like wrecked him on the inside. After he had numbered the people. Immediately, David says to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of me, myself, of your servant, me. I have acted very foolishly. Let's make a quick note. The Lord did not come to David through the prophet or just, or just the word of the Lord straight to David himself to correct David. He didn't say, David, you sinned against me. And then we'll get to what followed. No. David gets the word from Joab, the numbers of the people that he himself ordered. And the second the numbers come, David is convicted and his heart is grieved. He immediately on his own admission, I have sinned, oh great God, in what I have done. I have been foolish. So David gets up in the morning and the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Gad. Gad is David's seer. He, he is the one. Man, how awesome would that, would that be? Do you, you have a seer hanging out at your house? A prophet? Like having dreams and visions and the oracles of God for you through his mouth? <laughs> what an advantage, right? Well, yes and no. Maybe that would be a little more difficult than we realize. Why so? Well, because <laughs> verse number 12. Go and speak to David is what the Lord says to the prophet Gad. And the Lord says, quote, I am offering you three things. I'm going to paraphrase this. The Lord gives David three options because of his iniquity, because of his sin, because of his rebellion. He's given three options. You can have one, door number one, seven years of famine in your land. Or you can flee for three months before your foes and they will chase you. Or, option three, you can have three days of pestilence in your land. Now consider and see what answer I shall return to the Lord who sent me, says Gad the prophet. Okay, So basically, through the prophet, God comes to David according to what? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Make a mental note of that, would you? The word of the Lord comes. And what does he say? Hey, you've got three options here, David. You're right, you are in rebellion, you are walking in, in, you're rejecting my ways, and we'll get to that in a little bit from the other account um, over in First Chronicles, which tells us a little more, uh, just a little more clearly why in the world this is such a big deal. But, and we're going to establish that more, please stay close, okay? So God says, in response to your sin, I'm giving you three options. Let's just stop right there. The fact that God gives him any options at all is very intriguing to me. We're talking about the one true God who what he says absolutely goes, no wavering, no changing, primarily, other than men doing certain things to bring about a stirring in his heart and a turning himself. We're going to get to that as well. We might need to know that in this hour as we what? Look for the purpose within the pestilence. So, you can be chased by your enemies. You can have a famine. You're talking again, seven years, three months, or three days. And so, 
He may have been thinking very spiritually. He may have been thinking very clearly. He may have just simply said, oh, three days, please. Three-day option. (laughs) Seven years, three months, or three days. Oh, give me the three-day one. Let's get this over with. I know I'm guilty. I came to you first, oh, great king. But, like, let's just, man, let's do it. Let's just get to this. Now, I want to propose some thoughts according to why this went this way. Um... I'm trying, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so we'll get to that later. The Lord sends a pestilence. We're in 2 Samuel 24, now in verse 15. It comes to Israel from the morning until the appointed time. 70,000 men die. Do you understand what I just said? 70,000 men died in three days because the hand of the Lord brought pestilence upon who? his people. Friend, do you understand this? If you live in only this New Testament reality that that Yeshua came, that this God-man Jesus Christ came and created a new religion and everything former is gone and passed away and of no value anymore, friends, you will not hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour, period. Period. None of, none of the events of right now will make a lick of sense to you if you think that Jesus just came and made all the bad things good. We've got to remember, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed other than we are now in a new and living way, which is the new creation reality because the God-man came and gave us the power to actually be the temple and house of God now, which, guess what? We will get to that as well. 70,000 men are killed in three days. Why? Because of the pestilence that came from the Lord. An angel stretched out his hand towards Jerusalem to destroy it. Verse 16, the Lord what? He relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who destroyed the people, it is enough. Relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord, he was at an interesting place. He was by the threshing floor of Erunah, the Jebusite. Please pay attention, friends. I'm serious. Look, I'm no scholar. I'm no Bible teacher. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is alive, and it's, it, is, it is crying out for us to learn right here, right now, through this teaching. I'm telling you. Pretend it's not me. Just like I'm just saying in faith, could this be what the Lord is saying in this hour? Verse 17, at the threshing floor of Erunah, the Jebusite, David spoke to the Lord when he saw this angel who was striking down the people. And he said, behold, Lord, it's me who sinned. It's I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. So listen, Key number one, and I do not even have this out as like some sermon message with points, but if there was one, listen, friends, you want to know what to do in this hour? You want to know the purpose within the pestilence right now and the here and now for you? For you yourself to own up to your sin and rebellion. For you yourself to step back and say, you know what? This isn't about the nations. This isn't about the homosexuals. This isn't about the idolatry in the land. You know what this is about? This is about me. This is about me. I have sinned against you, God. 
I have wronged you. I have not kept your commands. I have been arrogant and prideful and I've gone my own way. And in my own version, I have called for a census that I should not have called for because I needed to kind of know where I stand. I've been thinking natural. I've been opposing your kingdom and I have my own will and my own ways and I've been living according to them. Lord, I am a man of unclean lips. Man, oh God, I'm a man of iniquity. Don't worry about all these other sheep, God. Forgive me. I am the one who deserves your wrath, your judgment. And guess what? I deserve your pestilence, oh great king. That is the posture of David's heart. Why does that matter? David was a man after God's heart. He was full of issues. He was full of rebellion. He was full of selfish individuality. And you know what? He's just like me. He's just like you. But his heart was tender towards the Father. Oh, great God. This is about me, oh, great God. So friend, if you have a tendency to point the finger and figure out why the judgment of God is coming to America, should you believe that is in fact why this is coming? Perhaps you just think it's the naughty devil doing something bad to the bad people, or maybe you think it's the great one true God doing judgment to the awful nations of the earth. You know what, friends? It might be because of you. It might be because of you. It is because of me. It's because of us. We are men of unclean lips. Isaiah is up in the highest heaven. John, the revelator, seeing the the orchestration of all of the governments of angelic forces. And what happens? Fall to their faces. I am a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve to look upon you. I cover my face. I'm just like the cherubim. I cover myself because I can't stand in the glory of the one true king. Why are the elders casting their crowns before him? These are supernatural spirit men, y'all. Spiritual beings in in the company of the great capital E, Elohim. They have crowns, right? They are someone. They possess crowns in the heavenlies now. Do you understand that? Spiritual beings with crowns in the council of the Most High. And even they cast their crowns down on the earth. And they just lower themselves and they bow. And they say, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the king. We are nothing but dirt when we look upon you. So friends, what is the purpose of the pestilence? For you and for me to be like David and to fall on our face and say, Oh God, look at me. Look at me. I am the reason this has come. It's because of me. I have done wrong. I have sinned. 
please let your hand be against me. Friend, when was the last time you said that in your, in your communing with the Father? I mean, for real. When was the last time you cried out, weeping tears on the floor, saying, God, look at me. May your hand be against me. Have you ever said that? No, I don't think the Christian church does that. Hardly ever. I have seen it some. Praise the Lord, I've seen it. And praise the Lord, he's moved in my heart to do it. But it is absolutely lacking in that area, the church. Oh God, let your hand be against me. Let your mercy come to the people and look upon me. I have sinned. I have sinned. Me. It would do us well to rightly understand how God orchestrates His purposes in His people. We know that all temptation is permitted by God. Anything that comes to us, He allows. We see that in Job. We see it even in the life of Yeshua when He was on the earth. The great adversary brings an opportunity by permission, of course, of the Creator. And whatever plays out is determined by humanity's response. Again, even Yeshua Messiah, the God-man, had this same dilemma. A will, fully God, fully man. The adversary provoked David to number the people. Well, how do we know that? Well, let's go to the other account in 1 Chronicles. This is a little more clear, and we're going to jump back and forth for the next little bit. 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, Then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So let's stop right here. Now, this is what a lot of people get hung up on. And if you don't give yourself to like really thinking this through, I totally get it. It sounds like it's contradictory. I mean, for sure. Because 2 Samuel says the anger of Adonai blazed up against Israel, so he moved David to act against them. Now we see in 1 Chronicles 21.1, the adversary rose up against Israel and incited David to take, to take a census of Israel. Now we have to understand, there is a... <laughs> Well, man, how many times do I talk about this? This goes all the way back to the what is man and the the governing authority of the principalities and powers and all that stuff I taught on this time last year. There is something in place here that we just really don't understand. There There is this ongoing governmental interaction on the earth where, again, through Job, through things we see with Yeshua specifically, where where that great adversary approaches God himself and beseeches to affect, alter, infiltrate, tempt men. We have to get this through our minds. So like something that comes, God himself has to endorse and allow. And we can also say it's equally from his hand because every single thing comes through him and through his governing authority. He is the governing authority. 
Every single thing has to come through his court, if you will, and get his approval to be executed in mankind. So it came from the hand of the Lord, and it was incited, the adversary incited David. They are synonymous. They are not, they're not differing opinions. They're not, they're not arguing points. They are the same. We have to understand that and be careful we rightly hold these, these scriptures in the proper understanding as they are intended to be read. So in 1 Chronicles 21-2, David said to Joab the same account, Go and number the people so that I may know their number. Joab said a little more clearly in this record now, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Now he did say that in the account in 2 Samuel, but here he says, But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does my Lord seek this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Hmm, a little different wording, right? He knows a little bit more than maybe we're told in the second Samuel account. The numbers come back. Verse 7, And God was displeased with this thing, so he struck Israel. David said, I've sinned greatly. I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And then the word comes through Gad, the seer, same account. Again, we're talking the same event. Choose these three things. Take for yourself one of these three. Gives them the same options. David says to God, I am in great distress. Oh, let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Okay, so these three options. Man, this is, I'm telling you, I feel like this is front and center right here, right now. Of the three choices presented to David, the first two would have involved some level of dependency upon the mercy of mankind. Okay? He would have been dependent upon men. The warfare, of course, would be as severe as the enemy wanted it to be. He would be under the, the rule and the, the extreme of natural armies, enemies. The famine, it would require Israel to seek food, rations, provision from other nations. He would have had to look weak and show that they were relying on the pity of their neighbors. So I would say that instead of relying on the mercy of a mere human, David chose to rely on the mercy of God alone, which albeit very likely, he had to understand that it would probably be a greater wrath. Yes, it's only three days, but this will be the perfect righteous judgment of God. It would be righteous and just, but boy, if this is going to come hard and heavy, right? And we know that by the thousands and thousands that were killed in a mere three days. But David chose the pestilence. Why? Why? I believe because he understood that it would be the perfect, righteous judgment of God. It wouldn't be dependent upon other armies. It wouldn't be dependent upon their neighbor's crops. It would only come to their people specifically from the perfect hand of God. And even in all of his mess now, this is all his fault. This is all because of him. He still understood something that this 
the best place he could go is to present himself before the perfect, holy, righteous God to execute judgment exactly how God himself deemed right and perfect and good. Right? Let's have another point, shall we? Are we positioned likewise? Are we positioned like that, like David? He confessed his iniquity. He confessed he was wrong. He confessed his error. He said, let it fall on me. Let your anger, let your reproach, let your judgment fall on me. It is not the people. It is my responsibility. And then he chooses, the mercy of God gives him three options. He chooses the perfect, righteous, most, the absolute best way. Why? Because he knew it would come straight down from God's hand via this angel. I would say it's the same angel that probably came through at Passover, the death angel, whatever we want to call it, executing the perfect justice of God. David knew how horrible it would be. He knew it would be awful yet swift, but he knew it would be perfectly satisfying the judgment of God that he deserved. Do you hear what I'm saying? I think there was some sort of peace in what he knew would come because it was coming through the perfectly just hand of God. And friends, how did it come? Pestilence, pestilence, pestilence. The perfect judgment of God. Because of sin, because of iniquity, because of rebellion came through pestilence from the hand of the Lord. 70,000 men of Israel died, y'all. 70,000. So if you have any position anywhere in your heart, even if it doesn't make it out of your mouth, that this cannot be God. God would never do this to his people. If you are rooted in escapism and what I call rapturitis, and you believe that nothing bad will ever come to you because of all the scriptural promises of God's deliverance and provision, friend, I'm telling you, you can be shaken and you absolutely will. What if you remain? You're here right now. You're here right now. You will likely soon be told you cannot leave your home. Well, what about your constitutional rights that everyone's always speaking about? Well, they could never. This president would never. Conservative America, I know my constitutional rights. I know what the amendments say. Friend, I'm telling you, and I said this in the last message that I spoke on, these things will not matter. What will you do if you remain? What will you do if, you know what, calamity, trial, tribulation comes, and guess what? Your clothes are still on your body instead of folded up neatly on the floor when you got sucked up into space. What if you remain? What if you have to endure? We have got to solidify these things. We're going to get into some word studies next. It's time for another series, part two. Stop so we can start another. I'm trying to break this up into bite-sized pieces and get it online as fast as I know how. We have got to find out according to Scripture... What is the purpose within the pestilence? Because, friends, there's a pestilence on this earth right now. Right now. I want to be one who knows why. I would say we're seeing in a pattern of David at least one reason, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, we'll get to others, of why it is here. 
We are a people of unclean lips. We have been a people of iniquity, and we had better start confessing that and turning. Turn, turn from your wicked ways. It is not merely something to say. It is something to do and to be. What is the purpose within the pestilence? Amen.